Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Most of the time, I always preach and focus on the gospel, and rightfully so. Those gospels are always squared on Jesus Christ. His life, his ministry, his preaching, teaching, his miracles, his passion, death, and resurrection. But today, I want to deviate from that, and I want to focus on the first reading from Acts the Apostles. This reading beckons us. It calls out to us in a powerful way. Now, I've always said If you ever want to know the history of our early church, just read Acts of the Apostles. Acts of the Apostles describes not just the birth of our church, but the growing pains that our church encountered the first few decades of its life. Now, turn to the first reading for this weekend. Here, Peter is giving a very moving, as well as a very evangelical speech. Now, realize also, it's Pentecost morning. Peter and the apostles have received the Holy Spirit, and now they're preaching in the streets to hundreds or even thousands of people. Remember the story of Pentecost. The apostles are filled with the Holy Spirit. They burst out of the upper room, go out into the streets, and they begin preaching, and preaching in languages that they never were taught before. Most importantly, there's bystanders that are witnessing all this. The apostles' euphoria. And because the apostles are so excited, these bystanders mistake the apostles as being drunk. Now, in response to this accusation, Peter now stands up and he clarifies why they're so euphoric. That's why he says, Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and proclaimed, Let the whole house of Israel know for certain that God has made both Lord and Christ, this Jesus, whom you crucified. See, now we begin to appreciate the context in which this first reading is set in. Peter is now assuming the role of leader, leader of the apostles, but also leader of our church. And he's speaking on behalf of our church, just like his successors will do, all the popes. See, we have to realize and appreciate, Peter was never given any type of training on how to write a speech, or even how to give a speech, how to proclaim a speech. But he's doing it. How? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the first lesson we can take from this. If we truly surrender ourselves to the Holy Spirit, we have no idea what we're capable of doing in the name of Christ. Now notice what Peter says. Listen, O house of Israel. Jesus is your Lord and your Christ. Peter is telling us, as well as the Israelites of that time, the long-awaited Messiah has now come in Jesus Christ. That's why they're so excited. Remember, the Israelites waited for centuries and centuries for the Messiah to come, to reestablish Israel as a superpower within the region. Well, after Jesus' resurrection, he proved he is that Messiah. 
That's why Peter gives him the title of Christ. Christ, the Greek word Christos, which means anointed one. And that is what the Messiah is. But Jesus is the unexpected Messiah. Remember again, the Israelites, the Messiah they held, image in their mind, was a political or a warrior, a general Messiah, similar to King David. He would raise up an army. He would establish his new political administration. And therefore, Israel would become the economic, the military, and the political superpower of the region, just like it experienced during the time of King David. Now notice also, Peter calls them out. He says, this Jesus whom you crucified. Well, he's proving the resurrection did take place. Jesus is the Messiah. But notice also too, Jesus is the Messiah, not just for the Israelites. Again, the mindset of the Israelites was that a Messiah would come and help the Israelite nation, but only the Israelites, no others. Well, Peter is clarifying, Jesus Christ came to save all people, not just a few. He was the Messiah for the world. Notice also, Peter gives Jesus the title of Lord. Now, if you are a good, pious Jew living in the first century, you never use that word Lord. You reserved it uniquely for God and God alone. Well, here Peter is using it with Jesus. Now, this is a very bold and provocative statement to make. Peter is clearly saying, Jesus Christ is Lord. He truly is God. Now, once again, this is hard for a pious first century Jew to understand. For hundreds and hundreds of years, the Jews always believed that God never directly spoke to them. They used prophets. Prophets were the mediators between God and his people. Prophets like Isaiah, Ezekiel, they carried God's message to God's people. And yet, Peter is saying what? God doesn't need prophets anymore. God came firsthand into this world to speak to us and to liberate us. See, now you see why the apostles are so euphoric, why they're so excited. They get it. They understand who Jesus is and what he's done. Now stop right there. Recognize and appreciate the euphoria of the apostles. Now stop and think, when was the last time when you thought or spoke about your faith to someone and you were euphoric, you were excited about your faith? And if not, why? We have to realize You know, God came into this world and single-handedly saved it for each and every one of us. And now, he wants to share his life with us. If that doesn't make us excited, then we're missing the picture. But sometimes it's hard for us to get excited about our faith. And sometimes we get excited about things that we shouldn't. I'll give you a great example of this. If you ever wake up early in the morning, maybe about 5 in the morning, You see, nothing but infomercials, people selling things. Well, a few days ago, I was up early in the morning, and I was watching TV, and I saw a man selling knives, knives, and he was so excited about these knives. He was bouncing off the walls. He proclaimed that these knives could do anything. They could cut, they could fillet, they could make coffee, they could change the oil in your car. He was so excited about these knives and selling them. To the extent that if we didn't buy them, we wouldn't be happy. We wouldn't have purpose and meaning in life. 
Now, as I listened to that man and watched him, I thought, boy, would this guy be great if he really had that enthusiasm for his faith. He'd be an incredible evangelical preacher. I'll give you another example. Just these daytime talk shows. Say, for example, Dr. Phil. You see the audience, you know, sitting on the edge of their chairs. You know, they're hanging on every word that he says with such great enthusiasm. Well, when was the last time we sat at the edge of our seat when we listened to the readings at Mass? Or when did we sit at the edge of our seat to tell somebody about our relationship or our faith in Christ? It's important for us to share our faith with others, but also to share our enthusiasm, too. Now, the story continues. It says, when they heard it, they were cut to the heart. Now, a cut to the heart literally is the deepest and most lethal cut you can have in a body. Why not? The heart is the most important organ in a body. What does it really mean symbolically? It means that Peter's message affected them deeply. It hit at the very core of who they are. Again, a good question we have to ask ourselves. Does Jesus Christ and his presence in our life cut us to the heart? Does it resonate deep with inside of us? Now, Notice the people, their response. They ask Peter, what should we do? That's good. That's very good. Why? Because they accept Peter's message. They accept it and understand his message. They took it in. Now they want to do something. I always argue the Catholic faith cannot be intellectualized. What do I mean by that? You just can't read the Bible and the catechism and just say, okay, I understand it, now I'm going to move on. No, if we are really cut to the heart, if we truly understand our faith, our response is always action. We should always be compelled to act out our faith in Jesus Christ. That's what the people are doing. Now notice Peter's response. He says, repent. Repent, that's the first word that Jesus said when he began his ministry. That's the message of John the Baptist. And now it's the message of Peter. Repent. Repent comes from the Greek word metanoia. It comes from two words, meta and nous, which means mind and change. We must change our mind. We must order our life to Jesus Christ. If we truly believe in the presence of Christ in our heart, then we are cut to the heart. Then Christ is at the center of our life. Everything else is secondary to Christ. And then we're naturally compelled to repent, to order our whole life to Christ. Our will, our intellect, our heart, our mind, and our soul is now ordered to Jesus Christ. See, that happens, then we truly are taken over by Christ. That's why Paul puts it best in Galatians. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. That's what it means to repent, to change heart, mind, soul, or will in our intellect to Christ. One last thing to think about. Peter says, repent and be baptized. And the people did. It said 3,000 people were at it that day alone. Well, baptism is indispensable for salvation for us all. At the moment of baptism, our life is joined to the life of Jesus Christ. That's why Paul says, our life is grafted onto Christ. Which means if we truly share a life with Christ, then we'll also share in his death and resurrection. That's why baptism is the second greatest event in our life. So you say, what is the first greatest event in our life? When we see the beatific vision, 
When we come face to face with God, then we know we've made it. Then we know we are going to be with God and all the saints and the angels and our ancestors for all of eternity in heaven. Friends, strongly encourage you, take some time this week. Reread this first reading from Acts of the Apostle and prayerfully feel the enthusiasm and the excitement of the apostles as they began our early church. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.